We're in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 is where we start out tonight. Last week we looked at having the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then he began to speak about how Jesus thought himself equal with God. And it's kind of tough for us to get our head around that sometimes. And, and to think that God has made us equal to him in many areas. But he has. It's not because we are so good or because we did so much. It's because of what he did for us. But don't let the enemy tell you that you are inferior. Again, verse 8, And being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so as he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, it goes on, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, every knee should bow. We have three types of people here listed. First of all, it says those that are in heaven. Well, those are the ones who did bow their knee to Jesus. That's how they got in heaven. The second group here is those that are on the earth. These are the ones who ought to bow their knee to Jesus. It's still up to them, but they, they sure ought to do it. And those under the earth are those who didn't bow the knee, the knee to Jesus. So we've got three different groups there. Those who did, those who ought to, and those who didn't. If you're on the earth like we are, we ought to. Therefore, verse 12, my beloved as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this phrase, fear and tre trembling, actually the word uh, trembling, we see it used four different times. Most of the time we see it used with the word fear, except for the first reference I gave you. In Mark chapter 16, verse 8, it talks about the woman who fled the tomb, but there it uses the term amazed instead of fear. So they trembled and were amazed. By the rest of these times, we're going to see fear and trembling. 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, this is where Paul's sense of inadequacy when preaching the gospel to the Corinthians. Later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, this is how the Corinthians were supposed to receive Titus. And Ephesians 6 chapter 5, this is how servants were to obey their masters with fear and trembling. So we see fear and trembling used Hand in hand, when this is, this is going, the word trembling in the Bible, it, you don't just see it by itself. It's either with fear or the one time we saw it was with amazed. This same combination of words is used a number of times in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And so you'll see the same word combination of fear and trembling. So he says, go over it again. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now see, once we get to that point, you know, we've got the mind of Christ. We've got this idea of being equal. We get a hold of that, that mentality. And we've been walking with God for a while and we're feeling pretty good about the things God has done with us and God has moved through us. And instead of fear and trembling, we can replace it with complacency and comfort. But Paul's talking about having fear and trembling. We sometimes have to make sure we keep that in there. Fear, which is exactly what it is, fear and trembling, which is just a, 
uh, a physical moving of the body because of fear. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his own, his good pleasure. God's going to work in you not only to do it, but also to want to. Y'all know that if you want to do something, it's a whole lot better. You know, the reason diets are hard is because we don't want to do it. Because in a diet, you're eating food that you don't like. And you're saying no to food that you do like. But if you had a will on the inside of you that you hate donuts, hate donuts, that you despise dessert, would a diet be easier? If they brought that dessert menu and they showed that to you and they, and, oh, that is awful. That looks gross. That is disgusting. If you looked at the dessert menu the same way you looked at Brussels sprouts, (laughs) wouldn't diet be a whole lot easier? If we didn't crave pizza, wouldn't that be a whole lot easier? If I looked at pizza and I said, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it. Don't desire uh, cookies. Nope. Don't don't eat. Oh, they make me make me sick. Oh. Wouldn't diet be a whole lot easier? It's the reason that diets are hard is because I want to eat the things I'm not supposed to eat. And I don't want to eat the things that I'm supposed to eat. You know, if we all just loved and craved vegetables all the time, eating healthy probably wouldn't be so bad. Some folks got a you know fast food craving. And, you know, they drive by the fast food place. Got to stop. Oh, I got to have one of them cheeseburgers or, or, or what it is. But if you can get yourself to the point where you despise McDonald's food, Burger King food, Sonic food, who else is out there? Well, I don't know if Chick-fil-A is as bad as those other ones. but <laughs> Just whatever those things are, I have all those. All those, I don't know, Chick-fil-A, the only thing I ever really go there and eat is, a, is their salad. That's it. I, I don't like their chicken. I, I, the chicken's okay. It's just bland. It's just bland. I, they need to juice them things up. They need to put some extra sauces. They need something on there to, to fix them things up because uh, they're just a little too bland for me. So I just, I, when I go in there, I just, you know, just get me a salad. That's it. That's, waffle fries are good, but... I can, I can say no to fr- french fries very easily because I don't like them a whole lot. So it's really easy for me to say no. I, I can say no to McDonald's because I, re- I can't stand the place. I just don't like the food. It just makes me feel awful. So it's not hard for me to say. But see, this is the, the thing. Whatever it is that we're doing that's hard, the reason it's hard is because I want to do the thing that I'm not supposed to do. And so if he's telling you here, what God is able to do is he was able to take, take you and change your will so that you want to do the thing that's good for you and not want to do the thing that's bad. Wouldn't the doing come a whole lot easier? Look at how he phrases this again. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. It's a good thing that will comes before. He's not saying that you have to do it first and then you'll want to. He's saying he will change it so that you want to. But you've got to have a desire to go after God and you've got to spend that time. Father God, I want to desire the things that you desire. I want to desire the things that are good for me. I want to desire the things that are healthy for me and to pursue them and to, to go after them. And that's what we have to do. Pursue those things that are good. 
read this all again. Therefore, my beloved, <clears throat> as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, how much easier it is it to obey when someone's there. I'll do what Paul wants when Paul's here. When Paul's not here, I'll do whatever I want. Kids do that too when you're, you're growing up. You know, as long as mom and dad are in eye shot, we'll go ahead and do the, the right thing. Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you can get to do the right things when the force behind doing them is absent, how much better is that? You know, if you only stick with that diet when your trainer is present, that's not so good. You got to be able to stick with that diet when your trainer is not there or that workout routine that you got out there. If you only do it when the trainer is present and the rest of the time you're slacking off, it's not going to help you. We've got to get that character inside that I will do what I know to be good even when no one else is here. So when you're driving home by yourself, the temptation comes up to stop at Chick-fil-A and get one of those milkshakes. I, I like those peppermint ones I do at Christmas time. They should do them all year long. I go in there sometime in November. Just, are they here yet? If they're not here yet, I walk away. But if they're there, you know, give me two of them. Mm-mm. I got a little girl I've trained up on those things too. Yep, yep. She's very good with that. <laughs> but you got to want to do the right thing. You got to want to do. And so just know that God is willing to help you with the want to. Not just sitting up there with a big stick saying, if you mess up, I'm going to beat you with it. But he's there to say, I want to help you want to do it and help you to do it, is what he says. So with fear and trembling, you work out your salvation. But just know, have the respect for God, but just know he's there to help you. He's, there, he's going to make you want to, and he's going to help you do it too. That's just, boy, I'll tell you what, that's good to, to know that God will be there to help us with that. Then he gets into some stuff here in verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That sounds easy. Now, do how many things? All things. Now, I looked up that word all. You know what that word all means? Everything. The entire list. It's that word pas, which means everything. Nothing is left out. So do all things without complaining and disputing. Now, if you go through a, uh, some of those other translations that talk about, you know, that translate things differently, you will see all kinds of stuff translated for these two, these two words. They go all over the place with this thing. But he says, do all things. We're going to get into these words. I want you to see it throughout Scripture here. Do all things. Now, would this be the things that God says to do? The all things. Would this be the things that God says to do? Well, he's just been talking about sanctification and God helping you to do things. So it would certainly include the things that God says to do because isn't the things that God says to do some of the all things? Yeah, but then there's others too. How about those in authority? Your boss. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Hmm. Now think about this. Have you ever been on the, on the job and your boss gave you something to do and after they got done giving you something to do, you went away and complained? Mm-hmm. All right. How about your boss gave you something to do and you disputed him or her? 
whoever it is, whoever your boss is, and just said, you know, I, d- I really don't want to do that. I think somebody else ought to do that. I think it's somebody else's job. Um, I don't really like that. I don't think that way is going to work. I don't like, whatever it might be, you dispute them. What's the word of God say? Do all things without complaining or in disputing. Now, the word here for murmuring or complaining, depending upon your translation, it means grumbling, grudging, murmuring. So complaining is a good, uh, a good way to, about that. Now in, um, let me see where I put, where I bring the verses. Make sure I get you the, the right ones here. All right, let's go on over to, yep, it was the ones for um, murmuring, I didn't put any of the uh, scriptures in there because it pretty much is just the same same way, I think, is, is why we did that. The word for complaining here means discussion, internal consideration, or external debate. So that kind of covers the whole thing, whether you come out and say to them or internally, you just kind of dispute this. Dispute, doubtful, imagination, reasoning, thought. Luke chapter 5, verse 22 says this way. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? So in their minds, they were internally considering this, internally disputing this, internally going over and saying, I don't think that's right. So he says, why are you reasoning this way? Why are you, why are you doing this in your, in, on the inside? Why are you coming out this way? Luke 6, verse 8. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. So you remember this is on the Sabbath. And they brought the, the man with the withered hand. And they were all looking to see if he was going to heal him. And Jesus, he says he knew their thoughts. That inside they're saying, all right, if he does this. Now, who's in authority over them? Well, Jesus is in authority, but they're not accepting that authority. So they're reasoning in their hearts. They're, they're internally disputing this. Saying, if he does this, we're going to do, we're going to accuse him of this. Luke chapter 9, verse 46 and 47. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. That word there for dispute is this word. They dispute, a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. So they are not internalizing this. They are vocalizing it. No, no, no. I'm the greatest. Did you see how much time he spends with me? Do you see at the table? Who does he sit next to most, most of the time? Who does he sit next to? And so they have reasons for why they're, they're doing that. Now, I could see that Peter, James, and John would have reasons to argue that they were the greatest. What about the rest of them? Where are the rest of them getting the, this thing? So apparently, no matter where you are, you could always come up with reasons. And that's what they did. And Jesus, perceiving the thought, there's that word, of their heart, took a little child and set him by him. So here it is. He knows what was going on in the, on the inside and knows what they were saying on the outside. Romans 1.21 Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So in themselves, in their thoughts, they began to dispute the truth of God's Word. And as they disputed this truth, their, as the Word says here, their hearts became darkened. That was, a, that was the outside of it, but on the inside. 
This is what this, this word here is used for. Internally, they're disputing all these things. First Timothy 2, 8. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath. And the word doubting there is this word. Doubting is what? Taking the truth that I know and disputing it. That's not going to happen for me. If I doubt healing, it's because, well, so-and-so got healed, and I believe that God heals today, but I don't think He's going to heal me because... And I'm disputing this. I'm coming up with arguments of why God's not going to do this for me. Why this isn't working for me. Why this doesn't come about for me. Why God isn't going to bless my finances. Why I'm going to lose my job. All these things we can come up with. And we doubting is just that. We are disputing on the inside what God has promised. I put this in your outline. When was the last time grumbling and complaining accompanied your obedient or disobedient action? Because it really doesn't matter whether you are obedient or disobedient. If you are obedient with grumbling and complaining, or if you are disobedient with grumbling and complaining, you have violated this verse. So again, he says, do all things. How? Without complaining and disputing. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Because as soon as somebody comes up and says something to you that you don't want to do, that you don't like how that is being done, immediately you want to say, no, I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Mm-mm. Nope, not going to do it. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Now, the motivation here is that you may become blameless and harmless. Are we not, even in the previous verses, are we not equal to God in the area of righteousness? Then why in the world do we have to do this? If I'm already made the righteousness of God in Christ, why do I have to go through all that? Why don't I just go on through life and and do what I want? Because the word there, blameless, does not mean what we think it means. The word here, blameless, means irreproachable, blameless, faultless, unblameable before others. So that other people cannot bring an accusation against you. It is not talking about being blameless before God. It is talking about being blameless as far as other people are concerned. That they cannot say, I saw that you did this. I saw you operated this way. I saw you said this and bring that as an accusation against you. Here's some uh, places where this word is used. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in... This is talking about... Um, oh, um, Zechariah having a kid. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Blameless. In other words, as far as people were concerned, they couldn't bring accusation against them. Philippians 3, verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Paul talking of himself, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, Paul is saying that. He's talking about his days when he had zeal, persecuting the church. And he says, he uses this exact same word in the same letter, just a little bit further on down, that he was blameless according to the law. And yet, he'll be the first one to tell you that he was not doing the will of God. 
See, he's not using this word to say he was blameless before God. He's saying as far as people were concerned, as far as them looking at his life, he was blameless to them because they could find no reason to bring accusation against him. Because he was so zealous for the law and stuck with the law. Can you see that? Now he goes on with the word harmless. That you may become blameless and harmless. This means innocent, harmless, or simple. Matthew 10, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless. There's that word, as doves. Harmless as doves. It is talking about that you do not go out there and cause any injury or any hurt into other people. Any... um, And he calls for stumbling, so to speak. Here's another place where it's used. Romans chapter 16, verse 19. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, see, a lot of times where we come into problems, let's go back to our our verse here and read it again. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. Now become. If you already are made the righteousness of God in Christ, there's nothing to become, right? He's talking about something else. That you may become blameless that other people cannot bring accusation against you and that your life would be lived in such a way that as far as evil is concerned, you are simple. You are not picking up on these things. You just go on through through life. It's, it's kind of like this. Have you ever been in a spot and you saw people talking and you just inside yourself you say, they're talking about me. And you begin to look at them funny from that point on. They're talking about me. I know they I wonder what they were saying about me. They're talking about me. And you become injured on the inside. And once we become injured, we then somehow injure the other people that are around. Well, if you're out to get me, I'm going to get you before you get me. And our attitude towards them changes. The tone of our voice to them changes. And that person may not have even been talking about us or meaning anything against us. But on the inside of saying, what has changed? Why is Steve acting this way? Why does he have this attitude now with me? What's going on? And we cause a, a problem with them. And then they begin to say, well, you know, I thought he was a nice guy, but why in the world is this going on? What is happening with these kind of things? So he's saying, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless. That if you pick up the aspect of complaining and disputing you will harm people around you and you can be brought, accusation can be brought against you. So he's saying this is why you need, need to live so that other people can't bring accusation against you and so that you don't harm people in the process. Remember one verse of scripture, it says, in malice be as babes. Kind of the same idea. Different wording, but different, uh, same idea. That if people want to insult you, just don't pick up on it. Just don't pick up on it. You know, play dumb. Think of it this way. How many of you have ever been the recipient of a surprise party? Yeah. Right, we've been to recipient. Surprise parties have happened. Those kind of things have gone on. And, uh, or some kind of a surprise that's coming, but you got wind of it early. You heard about it. You picked up on something. You saw something you weren't supposed to see or somehow it came to you. And so the surprise party is happening, but you're not surprised anymore. Right? So what happens when you walk through the door? Well, I know that they're in there. I know that this is going on and I know that they've got this and this is the place. So 
I, I just got to act surprised. And so you come on in and they all jump up and say, surprise. And what do you do? Oh, I knew you all were here. And that's not what you do, is it? What do you do? Oh, <laughs> we act surprised. We, we, uh, we just act like I didn't hear any of that stuff. I didn't pay any attention to any of that stuff. I, we just left it all, all away. We got to do that with evil. People are going to speak evil about you. People are going to plant evil about you, but don't you let it bother you. Not at all. You just keep on going. Because it could be that what you are hearing as evil has been tainted by the enemy to get you to act in a certain way so that you won't follow this verse. And you got grumbling and complaining going on when you're not supposed to be having grumbling and complaining. But you're grumbling and complaining. Don't be doing it. Inside yourself, you're going to be thinking, they're doing this against me. They're doing this because they don't like me. They shouldn't be doing this. God's not in this. I'm saying all sorts of stuff like this. Because on, on the inside, you're internalizing it. And you are complaining and you are grumbling. Don't be doing it. That's what he's saying. Do all things without complaining and disputing. All things. Whether God said it or someone else in authority over you said it, whatever it might be, do all things. That even means if no one in authority is telling you to do something, but you know it's my responsibility to cook dinner, wash the dishes, vacuum the floor, clean the car, fill it up with gas, whatever it might be. Don't do it with complaining. You ever stepped up in the gas in the rain and complained? Can't believe I got to do this in the rain. Oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't so-and-so do this for me? And begin to think all these, these kind of things and disputing. And complaining comes up on the inside. It will rob you. That's what Paul's telling you here. If you do it, you will no longer be in a place where you can be blameless and harmless to other people. And that's not the way that we're supposed to go. So make sure you stay in there doing those things as God has said. Did we, um, Philippians, were we up to 3.6? I don't think we, did we do Romans sixteen nineteen. All right. I don't think we read that one. Verse sixteen of uh, Philippians chapter two. Well, we didn't we didn't cover all this. Go back to verse fifteen. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now, we know they were living in a crooked and perverse generation. How many of y'all know we are living in a crooked and perverse generation? That crooked and perverse generation that you live in can cause in you a reason for disputes, a reason for complaining. But apparently you don't have that because you are children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You are the light. Don't become the world. Don't do things like the world does it. Stay in the area of light. You are called to be lights in a world. Lights attract attention. And now we get the warmer months coming up. Bugs come back out. What do bugs always go around? Light. When you are shining light in the world, bugs are going to come around you. Just kind of flutter, flutter around there and they're going to irritate you. But don't become irritated. Don't become complaining, disputing. 
Because you are called to shine as lights in the world, he says. Holding fast the word of life. Now that word there for life we're all familiar with, the word zoe. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. That word there for hold fast means to hold upon, to retain, to pay attention, or to give heed to. These are the things. Now, what, what are the stuff that wears you down the most? What would cause you to not hold fast? Evil and perverse people. That tends to wear us out the most. I just wrote down these things. Evil, corruption, selfishness, ungratefulness. Doesn't that kind of stuff just wear you down? Yeah, but he says, hold fast the word of life. The word of Zoe. The word of the God kind of life. Hold fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now this word here for hold fast and it's one word that's translated hold fast. We see this in a few other places. In Acts chapter 3 verse 5 so he, speaking of the lame man at the gate, so he gave them his attention. That word there gave them his attention. That's what we're talking about here. Expecting to receive something from them. So, he, Peter and John, they come up to the lame man and they say, silver and gold we don't have. Or they say, look on us first. And so he looked at them. He gave them his full attention because he was going to receive something from these guys. And so he's just, he's looking. He's, he's not being distracted by other people coming around because these ones have stopped. These ones have, are, they're going to give me something. I don't know what it is yet, but they're going to give me something. They didn't just walk by and throw something in the cup. They actually got my attention. This has got to be something even bigger. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Take heed is that word. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Hold fast, he says here. You've got to take that word that you have been given and you've got to hold fast because the evil and corrupt generation that we live in is going to try and wear you down so that you let go of what you know to do. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. That's, the imp that's important for Paul. He says, if you guys hold fast to do what we're showing you to do here. If you hold fast, then that means I didn't run in vain. My labor in your place, it wasn't in vain. That is, it's it's going to work. But you guys got to hold fast. That's something that they have to do. They have to hold fast. Hold fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So that Paul's race is good and the labor that he did was helpful. Verse uh, 17. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So he's, if I'm being killed, if I'm dying, is the best way I hear. I, I've looked this up and there's all kinds of different ways people are looking at what this might mean. But it seems that he, he's talking about if I end up dying, 
If I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, this is something that they did. If you remember when Israel, after Israel's name was changed, that one of the sacrifices they did, they poured a drink offering out on top of it. And that's what he's referring to here. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. In other words, I'm not letting go either. Because you guys have had a stake. You guys have had a partnership in what I'm doing. If I don't let go, then your guys' race, then your, what you have done, your labor, has not been in vain either. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm holding on so that you guys can say that what you did was not in vain. And you guys hang on so that I can say what I did didn't, run in, didn't happen in vain. But those are something we have to do. Now here, just going through the, going through this um, book here, Philippians, we all know the word brings persecutions and attention from the enemy, right? Jesus promised that. <clears throat> you will receive, with all the blessings, with all the word that comes to you, you will receive tribulation. You will receive persecutions for it. Jesus told us that was coming. It attracts attention. If the enemy's coming knocking on our doors, because there's word in us. <clears throat> Have you ever thought of letting go or giving up? Has it ever come to you that you I just just want to let go? I just wanted to keep this going anymore. It's just the evil, the perverse people that we're around, the things that are going up, just get tired of it, just don't want to go on. He tells them, he says, hold fast. That's not the only thing he tells them here in this letter. He said in verse 5, let this mind be in you. Who's that up to? It's up to them. It's up to us. Verse 7, that he, talking about Jesus, that he made himself. Who did that? Jesus did. <clears throat> verse 8, he humbled himself. Who humbled himself? Jesus did. Same way Jesus humbled himself, we are to humble ourselves. Verse 12, work out your own salvation. Who's doing the working out? We are. Verse 14, do all things. Who's doing the things? We are. And here in verse 16, hold fast. You have to do some stuff. You've got to be the one who keeps yourself in that spot to do those things. The enemy, all he wants to do is try and get you to stop. All he wants you to do is not hold fast, not do the things that you're supposed to do. Get yourself into the place of grumbling and complaining. And as soon as he gets us in there, he's got us down the wrong road and, and other things will happen. Even when we go down the road of grumbling and complaining, we will hurt people that are around us. We will be the cause of hurt. Don't be doing it. Keep that grumbling and complaining out. Yeah, but they said this about me. So? They slapped Jesus. They put a crown of thorns on him. They beat him with whips. What did they do to Paul? What did they do to Peter? They kept going. They kept going. You can keep going. Don't let these things go. Don't put these things to the side. It is up to you. It is up to us. It's up to me for my life. It's up to you for your life. There are things we have to do and we cannot grow weary in it. We have to keep going all the way up until the end. Are we at the end yet? Until we are in heaven, we are not at the end. We still keep going. The word will bring persecutions. Doing what God says to do will bring persecutions. Doing it the right way will bring persecutions. There will be people trying to take advantage of you. That's right. Just listen to God. 
Listen to God. Do what God says to do. He will tell you. He will show you. But whatever God tells you to do, you're going to be able to do it with a smile. You're going to be able to be glad. The joy of the Lord in you won't be given up. This is the joy of the Lord was never given up in Jesus or Paul or Peter or any other guys in there. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you care for us. That your things that Paul tells us to do here in your word, we can do it. We can do it. We can do all things without grumbling and complaining. We can keep that stuff out of our life because if we bring that into our life, it will hinder us. It will hurt us. And it gives the world, the people that are around us, an accusation against us. And it will put us into a place where we cause harm to the people that we are to serve, the people that we are to care for, the people that are around us. Father, I thank you for your help, for your love, for the example you've given us in the Word. So many who have gone on before us who lived this life and lived in victory over it. And we can live in victory too. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.